0: listening to season 3 episode 1 of Vixen, a Black Beauty and Pop Culture podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is on platinum selling girl group Black. Now, let's start the show. hello 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 welcome back to vixen you guys it has been five or six weeks since the finale episode of season two and i am finally back for season three i am so excited i feel like it's been so long since i sat down and recorded but i realized it's because i recorded the finale like two weeks before it actually came out so it's been like it's been two months since i recorded a podcast so it feels kind of weird but i'm so happy to be back I hope you guys had a wonderful Black History Month. By the time you guys hear this, Black History Month is going to sadly be over. I was kind of mad that my podcast break fell during Black History Month. I was going to change it, but it was too late. Um, cause I definitely would have loved to have been putting out episodes. I did get a chance to do a lot of Instagram content. Um, so if you missed it, go check out my Instagram at The Vixen Memoirs. Um, so yeah, it would have been great to have the podcast up and running during Black History Month, but I'm glad to be back. I hope you guys had a great Black History Month. Um, when you guys hear this, I'm gonna put this episode out on March 2nd. I was gonna do it on March 3rd, but that was the day that, um, my book club members put Picked for our book club discussion. Um, So I decided I'll release the episode for the week a day earlier so that the third we can just, you know, do our book club meeting. Um, So if you guys listen to this on the second when it comes out, make sure that you get on Instagram live with me at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on March 3rd for the book club meeting. Yes, the book club started while the podcast was on hiatus. So we are, by the time you guys hear this, we will be be finished with our very first book um our february book was it's no secret by carmen bryan it was very very juicy you know a hip-hop memoir kind of similar to corinne steffens book so it was very good um We also started a group chat to talk about it in between, um, time. So if you guys want to be a part of the book club, go ahead and go to the website, the It'll be in the show notes as well. Uh, go ahead and sign up name and email and confirm the subscription and you will be a part of the club. You want to hurry up though, because we're going to be starting our March book very, very soon. So make sure you join. Um, and yeah. I think that's the only announcements I had. That's the only new things that I had to say. So why don't we go ahead and get into the episode? I missed you guys. Okay, let's go. So I wanted to do this episode for quite a while. I always, always think about this group when I think of girl groups, but I noticed just from talking to you know, my friends, while I was writing this episode, a lot of people do not think about black when they think about girl groups. And I think it's because their, like, kind of superstardom did not last for very long. It was just a couple of years. And it also, um, there were a lot of other girl groups out at the time. So I was like, it's even more important that I do this episode to tell their story because I always think about them and I find them to be a really big inspiration. So I definitely want to give the girls their flowers, but all right, let's get into the episode. Natina Reed was born on October 28th, 1980 in Queens to Tamara Goodridge and Paul Reed. The family packed up and moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 1984. As a child, Natina was super talented. So she was in the choir. She was in the drama ministry at her father's church. And she also wrote songs and jingles on the side, which I did not know about her. So she had started doing that very very young and one of the jingles she wrote actually was purchased by Sprite. Um, She also modeled for Macy's and Bloomingdale's and she was also in a hot dog commercial around this time. Shamari Fears, who um, Fears is her maiden name, we know her as Shamari DeVoe now, was born on February 22nd, 1980 in Detroit, Michigan. Much like Natina, um, Shamari was also a talented child. She had been singing since she was three years old and her family moved to Atlanta at some point as well um a lot of families from like the midwest or up north moved down to atlanta in the 80s i always see that when i'm researching things for the um for different episodes but yeah a lot of people got to atlanta um from their families just moving down um it seems like it's kind of funny because i know on one episode last season we talked about um, black migration with, where a lot of southern people moved up north but in the 80s a lot of people moved back down south so anyway so Shamari's family also moved to Atlanta and she met Natina when they were both in the fifth grade uh, they actually tried to create like a urban slash country girl group which sounds hilarious uh, <laughs> it's really cute and I mean when Knowing their style um now or like how their style was when they become black, it kind of makes sense. I feel like they were always a little bit ahead of the curve, so I could see them doing something like that. But the girls were fast friends, obviously, um and they went to school together all the way to high school. Brandy Williams was born on October fifth, nineteen eighty two, also in Detroit, Michigan, and her family also moved to Atlanta. Uh, when she was 10 years old, she met 12 year old Shamari at a talent show, and the two of them became friends as well. Now, at this time, it gets confusing here. Shamari was in a group at this time called Intrigue, um, and Intrigue had actually got a deal with Elektra Records. I'm not sure if they were shelved or what exactly happened with that but I don't think they were doing anything with them at the time I know sometimes with um music groups like when they get signed when they're young they will um record labels will put them in development or just kind of keep them on the side until they get older um because then when they're older they kind of know more of like what to do with them so I feel like that's probably what happened with this group but I'm not sure so when she was about 16, Natina had come up with the concept for the group black. She was still doing jingles when she met Ronald Lopez, who is the brother of Lisa Left Eye Lopez. And Ronald then introduced her to his sister, Lisa. Uh, Lisa was impressed with Natina's writing skills off the bat so she helped her sharpen her skills a little bit more helped her build her confidence you know things like that then Natina actually became the official writer for TLC which is crazy she wasn't even 18 yet after working with Lisa for a bit Natina goes to Shamari and she's like hey I have this idea for a singing group and Shamari was like okay cool I'm down and um she ended up leaving Intrigue I guess because they weren't doing anything at the time so it probably didn't even really matter much to her um so she leaves Intrigue to join Black, and then she brought in Brandy, who was 14 at the time. And the girls practiced together. Um, Natina wrote some songs for them, and then they ended up meeting up with Left Eye to get her opinion. So all of the songs that Black sang for Left Eye were written by Natina, who we now know was already a published songwriter by the time the group came about. Um, Brandy had this to say about Natina's songwriting abilities. She was Black's first writer. The songs we sang on our demo to get our deal with Sony Music were songs that Natina wrote. She was our first writer and she had always had this vision for Black musically and also fashion wise. She was definitely a creative. Her mind was going so fast. She was just brilliant really. The things that I've read about Natina, it really, really makes sense how close her and Left Eye end up being because they seem very, very similar. I'm sure you guys all know the story with TLC um, and like what Left Eye uh, was for the group and her impact on the group. And Natina is basically to Black as Lisa was to TLC. She's like the songwriter, the creative director, the rapper, all that good stuff. So them hitting it off really, really makes sense to me. So Left Eye loved the girls as a group and she decided to sign them to her production company called Left Eye Productions. And then she flew them to New York for a meeting at Columbia Records and they were then introduced to Tommy Matola. So Tommy Matola is a famous music executive and he was the CEO of Sony at the time. And Sony is Columbia Records' parent company. So within days, the girls were signed. He loved them. um, And then they came up with the name for the group. So originally, the name of the group was going to be Black Ivory, but they decided to shorten it to Black, I believe because somebody was already calling themselves Black Ivory stateside. So in America, someone was already using that name. But they are known as Black Ivory overseas. So later that year, the girls had a cameo in the video for the Not Tonight remix, or Ladies Night, as I call it, with Lil Kim, Left Eyed, Brat, Missy, and Angie Martinez. Then after that, they got right to work on their first album. The girls flew to Miami to record the album, going back and forth between the studio with Dallas Austin, and then they also recorded a lot at Lenny Kravitz's house. Um, And also, did you guys know that Mariah Carey wrote one of the songs on their album? It's called Don't Go Looking for Love. I've never heard it. I got to listen to that because Mariah got the pen. Um, All three of the girls have writing credits on the song Rainbow Drive. But Natina has credits on six of the 14 songs on the album and one of them uh, called I Do was actually written by her entirely so she definitely was the writer of the group. On June 1st, 1999, Black's self-titled album was released. They made Billboard's Best New Artist list, they opened for TLC during the Fan Mail tour and they ended up going on tour with Insync later that year. Now that tour seemed like a lot of fun. They got along with the NSYNC guys really well. Um, in an interview with City View in 2001, Brandy and Shamari said, The last day of tour, we had a water fight on stage. Anything goes. We sprayed the stringy stuff and water guns. In sync are the coolest white guys in the world. So I'm guessing this is how their future collaboration with JC comes about. So back to the album. It was a huge success. 808 was the lead single. We all know the song. If you don't, I don't know what to I really don't know who you are. 808 was the lead single and it was certified gold pretty quickly um and it's funny because that is definitely black's biggest song but they did not think that that song was going to be a hit like they were like "Eh, yeah I don't know but Tommy Mottola was like nah this is a hit y'all have to record this song so the follow-up single to um 808 was bring it all to me which is my favorite song by them featuring JC Chazé from NSYNC and that was Also a big hit. That song made number five on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles Chart. And their third and final single from that album was I Do. That's the one that was written completely by Natina. Um, It wasn't as successful as the other songs, but they did get nominated for Best Editing at the MTV uh, Video Music Awards that year. And then the album overall hit number 23 on Billboard's top um, list, and it was certified platinum in April of 2000. So speaking of 2000, that's when Bring It On came out. So Black was offered a part in the movie as soon as it got greenlit. They did not have to audition at all. And this was a huge deal because Black was one of the hottest acts around and them being in this movie really really solidified their mainstream appeal. And like I was saying earlier, like I found them to be such a mainstream black group. So just to realize now that a lot of people don't even think of them when they think of black girl groups is so shocking to me because they were those girls, they were like that pop slash urban group but like I feel like they kind of leaned more pop I don't know I hope you guys understand what I'm saying but it's just so shocking to me that they don't come to mind for people but anyway in a 2020 interview with the observer Shamari says we were at the height of our career and we were represented by Johnny Wright so Johnny Wright managed both NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys if you guys didn't know this um and Lisa Lopez she was our mentor and had creative control we were hot and they reached out to us At the time, um, the movie was called Cheer Fever and the girls had the parts of Jenelope, Lava, and Lafred. Y'all already know they were a part of the East Compton Clovers alongside Isis, AKA Gabrielle Union. And this is one of my all time favorite Halloween costumes for black girls to do by the way. Like I love when I see groups of friends dressed up as the East Compton Clovers. Black alongside the rest of the cast had a four week cheerleading boot camp where they learned a bunch of cheers a bunch of stunts um, black actually did all their own stunts which was kind of easy for them because shamari and brandy already had cheerleading experience from high school and they also got to record as if love that song for the soundtrack and then they did a remix of bring it all to me for the soundtrack as well and that had a feature from 50 cent it's about the energy on set in the observer interview i mentioned earlier brandy said It was so much fun. We loved it so much that we wanted to take it to our live show and we wanted our dancers to learn how to do the stunts and everything. She also said that Gabrielle Union helped them a lot with being nervous and remembering their lines. She said, She would help me read my lines because, you know, this is our first movie. I'm nervous. I've never done this before. And she would give me such great advice and just tell me, see, it's going to be okay. If you mess up, it's a movie. You can cut and do it again. In a 2015 interview with MTV, Gabrielle Union said, it was their first time acting, period. So teaching them about marks and where the light is and where the cameras are. It was one of those movies where everyone wanted to get it right and everyone was committed to humbling themselves to do the work. So this truly is the height of their popularity. Um, throughout filming, the group was still touring and they were making appearances. There was even one day where they had to leave uh, practice early because they found out they were nominated for a Soul Train Award. And then they had to go present another award and perform at the show. Shamari said, this is our dream. This is what we wanted. I used to always say all the time, I just want to get a record deal. I just want to get a record deal. And then to get in a movie on top of that, the number one movie in America at the time, it was incredible. It was insane. And it was like, this is what we signed up for. So we did it. So like I mentioned, Bring It On really did secure the group's mainstream appeal. They were definitely on top of the world at this time, but it did not last very long. So their second album was slated to drop in 2001. And a video for the lead single, the song was called Can't Get It Back. They shot it and it was ready to go. However, the album was shelved for some reason, and then the girls were mysteriously dropped from the label. The album got leaked a little while after this, and the lead single went to British girl group Mystique instead. Now, I don't remember this specific instance, but do you guys remember how... A song would get released. It would usually be like an underground hit and then a more mainstream or an upcoming artist would get the song and we would just like never acknowledge that it used to be somebody else's song. So I always thought that was weird. I remember that happening a lot on MySpace. I can think of a lot of examples of that. Um, definitely with Drake and Jamie Foxx fall for your type. A couple other ones. Like I guess sometimes it was just like the demo got leaked or the person would sell it to someone else. It was a lot. Um, but anyway, things pretty much completely stalled for Black at this time. I have no idea why they were randomly dropped. Um, And I couldn't really find anything on what happened. It was just like, all of a sudden, the label just stopped messing with them. So Natina started dating rapper Corrupt and the two became engaged. They planned to get married in spring 2001, but ended up rescheduling it because of work conflicts. Um, Foxy Brown, the rapper, also used to be um, engaged to Corrupt before Natina. And she actually dissed her on her song 730. So here are the lyrics. Man, some hoes is always yakking, like I can't make it happen. Like they don't know my cash, like they don't know my past. Especially pop star bitches with the soft image. So what I ain't with him, bitch, he's off limits. Be where I always be. See who I choose to see. Although we're not together, his heart belonged to me. See, at times I think y'all bitches be confusing me. Like I'm something sweet. Shorty, I'm still street. You're not on my level, and I won't stoop. And I'm not the one that got you kicked out your own group. chicks be always thinking that i'ma let it ride i might not kill you but i'll hurt you till you dead inside third album and you still want to test brown i'm so hood bitches know how boogie get down it could be real drama it's still the ill nana there ain't a bitch wilder any beef holla wow okay y'all y'all i was trying to put my rapper voice on for y'all but like i'm just i can't do it but that's just a lot like (laughs) But anyway, to be fair, the part where Foxy says Natina got kicked out of the group, that wasn't true. She just was on hiatus, Natina, because of her pregnancy. The group was still doing um, appearances without her. So MTV News asked Natina what she thought about the song. And she said, you can't chase something that doesn't chase you back, period. She kind of cleared Foxy with that. But anyway, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what people think about me. It's petty. It's like people never grow up in this game. You watch Biggie and all that shit he and Pac went through and people still don't get the message. They still want to start wars and create fires. So I've already kind of mentioned that she was pregnant at the time. So around the time the group was working on the shelved second album, that is when Natina got pregnant. Um, she said that this played a part in what happened with the second album because the label was uncertain about the future of the group. So that makes a lot of sense. It's like one person is pregnant. Mind you, they were relatively young at this time. Um, But I kind of feel like it shouldn't have been a big deal. Uh, but when you do think about how Black was being portrayed, a lot of you guys may not remember. Um, but Black definitely was being you know, marketed to us as like pop princesses and then with bring it on and then their alignment went in sync. I guess they just felt like black didn't fit with that image anymore. So the label was not supportive of at all of Natina's pregnancy, but Lisa was, she was very supportive. Um, Natina actually lived with Lisa for three months of her pregnancy. So unfortunately, another sad event was going to happen during what should have been a happy time. This one was a tragedy. Um, On April 25th, 2002, Lisa Left Eye Lopez passed away from a car accident in Roma, Honduras. Lisa was the driver and she lost control of the wheel and the car veered off the road and turned over quite a few times. Um, Of course, Black was devastated by this loss. They lost their mentor, their biggest supporter, and one of the only people who really, really advocated for them and went hard for them. In an interview with The Guardian in 2019, Shamari said, I definitely felt let down by the industry. There was a point where I lost my passion to ever want to sing again. In that same interview, Brandy said, Lisa was so much to us. She was a true friend, a big sister, a mother figure. For us to lose her at such an early time in our career was just a devastating blow. Natina, who of course was super close to left eye and was living with her at the time, said this about Lisa in the BET Tonight tribute special to her. Lisa was the most kind person on this earth. She had a lot of questions about life. She was very curious, like a child. She was innocent. She never understood certain things, and she had a lot of questions that were unanswered. I always told her that she had a very big heart and that I hope that one day somebody will give back to her the way that she has given to many other people, including myself. So that is just super sad. I always, always get sad when I think about Lisa, when I think about Natina, when I think about Aaliyah. It's just like, oh my God. So, um in 2002 Natina gave birth to a son named Trent. After Lisa's passing, the group signed with Electra Records and they got to work on album number 3. So, they put out two singles that weren't as successful. One was called Ugly, the other was I'm Good. I remember I'm Good. Um I'm Good was actually on the soundtrack for the movie Honey and it was their highest charting single in the UK. So that song was very popular um in the UK and then again it happens again I don't understand this this album also was never released I just I don't understand what was happening here but the group went on hiatus for a few years after this they clearly were really discouraged by this um and during the break uh Shamari signed to Dark Child Records Natina hired an agent and was working on her acting career um, and then Brandy started to work on a solo album and she was featured on Nelly's song "Grills." So they had kind of started to do their own thing. And before you knew it, a few years had passed since the girls had done anything together. 2005 they came back together and started working on a fourth album called private show so remember at this time only one of their albums the very first one had ever been released but here they are with enough material for three additional albums and they can't release them so let me make sure y'all run that back if you didn't get that they are currently recording in 2005 their fourth album They have been recording since 2000. They had enough content to fill four albums and only one album had ever been released. And it was their very, very first one. So Private Show took four years to record. So they ended up working on this album until 2009. Um, And then in 2007, they started filming a reality show called Black in the House, but the show never got picked up by a network. I actually would have loved to see this show. I don't know what why it wouldn't have been picked up. I feel like there were a lot of shows on at that time that were themed around um, celebrities or groups and things like that. So it definitely would have been interesting. Here I come with more bad news, y'all. The fourth album also was never released. I just like these girls cannot catch a break. It is crazy. It's crazy. After putting out a few songs on YouTube, Black decided to just go their separate ways, just let it go. I can only imagine that this was just so disheartening for them. Like, this would have left me crazy unmotivated. I can't even imagine. Natina had this to say about the situation. Personally, we were in different phases of our lives. Shamari had just got married to Ronnie DeVoe. Brandy was in the process of getting ready to get married. And I was very serious about making sure that this record was a good one. I guess when you personally need that time, when you just get married, some people need personal time. That's where it was for us. We had so many different areas in our lives that were personally affecting us. We needed to take a hiatus and everybody needed to just handle their personal lives and handle business because what people don't realize is that we've been in this music business since we were 15 years old. We were babies when we started this and we didn't get a chance and opportunity to really live our personal lives. It wasn't directly something that we planned. It was something where we just said, okay, we need to take a hiatus for a second and breathe and then we'll come back to it so this is just so crazy to me and if you are one of those people that feels like you know they put out a couple songs and just disappeared it's very valid because I'm pretty sure most people did don't know unless you're like a black super fan that they they got three al- albums shelved back to back like I, I don't even know if I've ever even heard of that I think that's absolutely crazy and It sucks because nobody ever got to see like their progression from being teenagers into being young women and then grown women, you know, nobody ever got to see that. They didn't get to have that transition, like how Destiny Child, we saw them as like teens and then we saw them young adults and now we get to see them together as grown ass women. It just kind of sucks that they were robbed of that. So the group went on another rather long hiatus and Blackout, which was the name of their second album, was released to iTunes in 2007, but was taken down shortly after. Um, and then it was supposed to be released as an iTunes exclusive in 2008. Um, but this never happened. So I think when it showed up on iTunes randomly in 2007, somebody probably leaked it. And then, you know, Apple don't play, so they took it down. Um, but then whatever deal they worked out with iTunes fell through. So then in 2001, it came back out onto iTunes. And um, the reason why this whole album thing was so shifty with this specific album um, was because the rights to this album, Blackout, and the third album, which was called Torch, are owned by Matthew Knowles. Yes, Beyonce's daddy. So for some reason, (laughs) Matthew Knowles owns the right to Blackout and Torch, their second and third albums. And he's just always doing something, right? So (laughs) Matthew Knowles had briefly managed Black at one point. So that's how he got them. But I think that that actually happened after the second and third albums were recorded. I don't know much about the music business, but if you do, feel free to enlighten me. Like how how does he become the owner of those doesn't make sense to me but anyway so the girls did not reunite until their performance at the 2012 left eye music festival in decatur georgia the group then signed with a new manager and things started to you know be looking up for them things were good They actually started working on a fifth album. At this point, I would have just said, you know what? We releasing an EP, a three song EP. I'm not recording. I'm not doing a fifth album and I've only gotten to put out one. But shout out to them for being determined. But anyway, (laughs) so they start working on a fifth album and then they uh, shopped around their reality show again. But this good feeling did not last very long because the girls were hit with another devastating blow just mere months after. On October 26, 2012, Natina Reed passed away from injuries she sustained from being hit by a car near Duluth, which is a suburb of Atlanta. She would have turned 33 years old just two days later. Natina and Shamari had been on the phone just two hours before the accident, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, they had actually all been together, all three of the girls, just a few weeks prior, and they had posted photos on Instagram. Um, here's a quote from the shared statement Brandy and Shamari released. Natina continuously embodied the pioneering spirit of black and her undeniable creativity touched the hearts of fans everywhere. Natina was a mother, sister, accomplished songwriter, artist, and friend. We ask for your prayers at this time for Natina's family. She will forever be missed and her global influence eternally felt. We thank God for the experiences we shared. I remember when this happened and it was just so wild because left I had passed in a car accident as well, 10 years prior. So it was very eerie. It was horrible. And it was a very, very sad situation. So the group broke up shortly after Natina's passing and the two remaining members, Brandy and Shamari, went on to lead their own um, personal lives and careers, occasionally performing together. So Brandy had gotten married in 2009, um, a few years before Natina's passing. She released a solo single in 2011 and started working on a album herself. Um, Shamari had also gotten married before Natina's passing in 2006 and she graduated from Georgia State University with a bachelor's in sociology in 2013 um, she was also on season 11 of the Real Housewives of Atlanta which I had kind of wished that she came back on I thought she was fun but honestly she might have been spilling too much tea about her and Ronnie on there but anyway so as time went on black fans created a petition for the girls to put out more of their unreleased music um specifically fans wanted the third album torch so brandy and shamari were inspired by the petition and they worked to win back the rights to that album from matthew knowles and torch actually was released on may 31st 2019 Brandy said in an interview that year with The Guardian, it feels really good to finally release it and with us able to own these songs now and our fans still wanting to hear them, I actually think this is perfect timing. In that same interview, Shamari said, I want to make sure that we continue to keep Natina's legacy alive. We're doing this for Natina and Lisa. All right, so that is the story of Black. What do you guys think? I always think of them when I think of girl groups, they stood out to me a lot with their clothes, their hair, all the futuristic um, music videos, all the looks they did. Like As a young child who was creative and wanted to be in the arts, they spoke to me a lot. <laughs> like, they spoke to me a lot. Um, I just really, really loved them. So I always think about them when I think of girl groups, but I feel like they are forgotten a lot. Um, like I said, I was surprised when I was talking to my friends and they were like, "Hmm, I don't really think of them when I think about girl groups another thing that surprised me so when I started writing this episode I didn't expect to find a whole bunch of recent interviews from Shamari and Brandy um definitely not Brandy I figured that most recent interviews of Shamari were definitely going to be about Real Housewives which I was correct on but what really shocked me was they weren't interviewed a whole lot when they were actually hot which I thought was very very weird like even if you look at like their prime period from like 2000 to 2002, they didn't do a whole lot of interviews. I don't know if like the label wasn't letting them. Somebody had advised them not to. It just was like, it's really hard to find you know, interviews based on them. And we see a lot of new artists get whole, you know, covers dedicated to them. So I just thought that was very weird. And I'm gonna say it might be because their prime time wasn't very long, really just, you know, 2000 and 2002, not long at all. But still, I think people should have been doing, um, stories on them. I think they're, could have been more articles about them you look up anybody else and you see it so I just found that kind of ridiculous but I do think because their prime time wasn't very long that's why they're forgotten amongst the sea of black girl groups at the time because we had a lot of black girl groups around that time like a lot of black girl groups and a lot of them were thriving so I think maybe they just kind of blended in for some people but they always you know stood out to me um I feel like the tragedies they experienced definitely played a huge part in this um and all the shelving I mean like I said they never got to like show their progression as artists or just show their growth as like women and it you know I think that that really hurts people who start off young. If you're not able to show your progression into an adult, it can really, really hurt your career later. So I think those things played a big part in that as well. Um, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that them being presented as pop girls hurt them? Did it help them? Like, do you think they should have been marketed as more urban? Would that have even worked for them? Would, would an urban market even love them as much as the pop market did? Or do you guys think it was just bad business? Just bad business deals, you know, poor management. Like, what do you guys think it was with black? And also... What other girl groups do you guys want me to do stories on? I have a lot in my head, um, a lot that don't get talked about often, but you know, I'll do people who are talked about often too, but let me know, feel free to email me at vixenpodcast at gmail.com. You can DM me or uh, send me a comment on Instagram at the Vixen Memoirs, and I will be back next week with an all new episode. I'm so happy to be back. Thanks for listening, y'all. See y'all next week thank you for listening to vixen if you liked today's episode don't forget to leave us a review if you have a submission feel free to email vixenpodcast at gmail.com we will be back on march 3rd 2021 with an all new episode